The last human zoo was located in Belgium and was closed in 1958. Welcome to Two Thirds Focused. I'm Rasmus. And I'm Red. And I'm still driving. No, you're not. Mentally or physically? What? Yes, okay, never mind. <laughs> how, how, how the fuck are you doing, Red? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing very well. Uh, today it's been a long day, exhausting day, but I've been kind of productive, so I'm happy with it. I'm still working on the walls of my garage. Um, I'm halfway done now with all the little thingy that I have to make look better, all the holes in the walls and everything, because it's like the, the guy who did the plaster was absolutely putting so much plaster on the walls that you have plenty of bubbles and holes and stuff like that. So it's not just plugging the holes made by people to hang stuff to the walls because it would be very quickly done. But basically you have to re redo the walls of the garage. So I'm halfway done. Um, worked a lot also on my next video, but it's going to take a while because again, stupid idea and I need to prep a lot of things before I can shoot. But can you tease? Yeah, it's something um, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom related. Nice. Ooh. And it's kind of the follow-up of the... Um, oh, you're making a golden poo. Uh, no, but I can. <laughs> uh, it's kind of a follow-up to the two previous videos that I made with my kid. Uh, oh, one was nice. the Breath of the Wild um, map, leather map, and the second one was the, the backpack. So now something is missing, so that's that's what I'm making for him. But since we we've made the video was probably two years ago. Uh, yeah. He's grown up since. Uh, he, he's, he probably took 10 centimeters or whatever, maybe more. Oh, wow. So the, the Zelda Link costume that he was wearing at the time is not fitting anymore, so I have to remake one in order to make the video match and everything. Um, so, yeah, a lot of time um, spent doing that. And, and yeah, that's pretty much my week since uh, we've talked not that long ago. Uh, yeah, true. Lucas. Yeah. Well, I mean, six days instead of seven, but... Yeah, still. Uh, it went quick this week. Yeah. No, it's it's five instead of seven. Come on. Yeah, five instead of seven. Yeah. No, can, no, 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 neither of you are able to do weekdays this, no, this week? Because I'm no, because of driving. No, no. Yeah, and I'm 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 not sleeping. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's the next part. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, I, do it. I woke up well rested at five thirty this morning. I was like, oh, why did I sleep so good? And then I remembered. It's like, oh yeah, because I dropped dead at like eight o'clock and <laughs> night late. Oh, today. Wow. <laughs> so you drove you drove yesterday and you're driving today. Uh, there's basically not been a single day over the last few weeks that I've not driven somewhere. Okay, I I oh. don't even know how many thousand kilometers. I've done within the last couple of weeks. Um, also for mainly nothing. I've been to, I think, Wetzlar, like Herborn area two times. Um, I had, well, just by like driving and getting short-term cancellations, like while being mm. half away in front, 
of the customers. Uh. I, I think the quota is now over the last few weeks about like 50-50. Well, mm -hmm. Of cancellations? Yes. And oh, I mean, wow. I can't even be mad at the customers. Like some of them, they're basically... I, start driving really early because I have to be at the customers at a reasonable time for the meeting. And then mm -hmm. I get a call at like after three hours of driving at like, I don't know, nine or, nine or 10 o'clock, like half an hour away from the customer, like test the positive of Corona. No, that, I mean, there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. And yeah, sure. But yeah. at that point, I've already been in the car for about three hours. And then can it's like, oh, no problem. I drive just uh, like I drive to the next customer. Maybe I can push the appointment forward. I call that customer and he's like, oh, that was today? Mm. I'm, a, I'm in the home office. <laughs> I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> can, can you do something when that happens? Like uh, you're far away from work, obviously, because you're, you're on the road to meet a customer. But when they cancel, can you enjoy your time being there to do something else? I mean, I can basically turn around and drive back home. That's the only option. Well, I mean, if I usually do round trips, so like with multiple customers. In that mm -hmm. case, I just check if I can check into the um, hotel early and just work like normal, like a desk job okay. from the hotel. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, still, like if you do a drive like that, you usually want it to be successful and not just, I don't yeah, know, sure. do sure, sure. Uh, flexible working from who knows where. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not completely a wasted day if you can work from from the hotel no i mean i was i mean i did hear a lot of music over the last few weeks and also catch caught a little bit up on the podcast okay and uh well over the, the weekends were nice the um you guys remember when i told you that i uh helped a buddy of mine move yeah so last weekend there was the next move okay so or, or, Next mm -hmm. buddy, the rest, the rest of his stuff, or he? No, moved no, again? no, no, no. The, the next couple of friends that are moving. Oh, okay. Thankfully, yeah. they all bought houses, so at least I hope it's gonna mm. be the last time <laughs> they're gonna <laughs> yeah, move. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah, because they, 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 they're not able to pick houses that are like on an even level or <coughs> like even floor because that's like a hundred steps to carry up shit. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But yeah, so no, that was fun and. Um, then this week I started, well, another round trip um, going towards, like, I'm now close before Hamburg, mm -hmm. uh, which ended up, well, let's start first. Uh, so I visited a customer yesterday, and I am now heading up, like, I continued heading up to the next customer. That one canceled half an hour before I got there this morning in Kassel. Uh yeah, um, so I continued driving up to um, Hamburg area mm -hmm. and visited Kjell, surprised him. Nice. Yeah, had to do the Kjell watch. Basically rang his door, he opened up the door, I'm standing there with the cell phone, click. <laughs> Hi, Kjell. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so that was fun. Very nice. I, I, yeah, I liked it that much. I visited him twice. Because, um, well, I mean... He doesn't deserve that. <laughs> what story about that is basically... Um, I drove to Kiel to uh, get rid of a lot of my stuff because I'm visiting over the weekend at Skels Camp. Yeah. And uh, so I dropped off all of my bags. Then I head back to the hotel. So while I was preparing everything for the podcast and also like doing a little bit of work uh, remotely, um, I figured out that my uh, headphones weren't working anymore. So the cable broke, so they're not working at all. 
so of course I wrote you guys. Red is like, oh my god, there's gonna be so much echo. So I'm yep. just like, okay, I might have a second pair in one of the bags. I called up Kiel and it's like, can you check the bag for me? Like, is there a second pair? It's like, oh yeah, there is one. So I'm like, oh, fantastic. So I drove back to Kiel's, which is not far away from the hotel. We're talking about like 20, 25 minutes under normal circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, picked mm-hmm. up the headphones, decided to grab something should to eat on the way back and then like take to the roundabout over one of the other towns. There's a construction zone. They closed off all the roads. There's all the traffic is going through that one city and I spent an hour in traffic on my way back. So thank you, Red. Now my possible. pleasure. There's no, so there's Your mistake n- was to stop at McDonald's. It's not my fault. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, were you, angry. You, you keep telling you that, but I thought <laughs> because there's no echo, I got myself some Princeton roll. Oh, nice. Uh, with the nice packaging. Yeah. And I got myself um, also something to drink. <laughs> and I put the mic so I can hear it all the time. So, nice. yeah. <laughs> oh, who's editing this week, by the way? That's going to be red. <laughs> I don't know. So you're welcome. No, yeah, it's, it's going to be it's, me it's, because you two focus. You're going to be at Kiel's camp. So. Yep. Yeah. And we're going to enjoy ourselves immensely. Yeah, I exactly. bet you are. I'm happy earlier than I am. Way earlier at like three o'clock in the morning, if I remember correct. Uh, if all goes to plan, yeah. Because we're taking the ferry, uh, driving down with Stian. And we're going to take the ferry from Larvik in Norway down to the north of Denmark. And then driving the whole mainland of Denmark into Germany. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's nice. gonna be fun. It's gonna be yeah. fun, yeah. You're not taking your car, right? No. Okay. No. Yeah. No. Good. My car keeps making funny noises, and I don't think it likes to, like any other Scandinavian countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's at least yours is still making funny noises. Red's not moving. Oh, it is now. It's oh, it fixed. is. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I, it took me one hour and a half, and it, it's completely fixed now. So. Oh, that's. Be careful. Yeah. Be careful. So, yeah. By the way, <laughs> don't talk about my car, but because every time you two talk about my car, saying that I will need to fix something, my car breaks down. So, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> don't say a word. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, how was you guys' week? Enough about my misery. Raz. Well, I, I also did a lot of driving this weekend. Yeah. Not the same distance, because Norway is stupid that way, because we have fucking mountains in the way all, all, everywhere. But the blacksmithing meetup that I was supposed to be uh, in the south of Norway, just about three hours from me, got moved to the west side of the country. Yay! Uh, in, in the beautiful fjords, but it's a five, six hours drive to get there. That's, so that's not even that's a day's fun. trip. Come on. Yeah, for you it might not be, but... It's. I, I mean, it. I, I don't mind too much driving anymore, but it's still one of those things like, yeah, I'll have to drive twice as long to get there. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to be fun, but it's going to be a lot of driving. And when they cancelled the original place because of fire hazards, I was like, oh, nice. I can sit home and relax. And then I was like, nope, it's happening, <laughs> but it's way over there. <laughs> well, and, not- and to be fair, you have the speed limits. I mean, this is mainly, we're talking about, if I would have to do that, it would probably be like a three-hour drive in Germany. Yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and honestly, yeah, that's that's a big thing. Uh, The average speed you can travel cross-country in Norway is about 60 kilometers an hour. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, but that's what you get when you have, like, I I think I climbed more than a thousand meters elevation to get over one of the mountain passes and down to the side. 
Which is and I was honestly worried it might be closed for this closed because of winter storms or uh, snowstorms. Now in June, in June. End of June. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. That, that, that is really that can happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Uh, but I was lucky, so I didn't have to drive an extra two hours or something silly to get around that mountain and get, get there. But uh, yeah, Norway, we are experts when it comes to building tunnels mm. and roundabouts in tunnels. And tunnels that's corkscrew, so you can get a few extra hundred meters elevation. <laughs> and tunnels that go into bridges and then straight into tunnels again. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sounds really cool. So, I mean, I, it's, it's really nice and scenic. And I, I, did, I didn't stress about driving. But it's also one of the funny things of like, yeah, I'm coming to this town. And I'm taking the first exit out of the roundabout. And I'm staying on this road for 200 kilometers up and down and in and around all the mountains and then I'm That's off nice. down into the fjord and I'm there. So, yeah, I was enjoying myself despite all the driving and I was able to appreciate a bit of nature and stopped for a bit of a snowball fight on top of the mountain and all of the usual things we do here in Norway Nice during summer. And how was the weekend? Because I've seen a few Instagrams that you posted. Uh, okay. One yes. with two people sharing a sledgehammer and yes. managed to break it. Yes, that so uh, I can ramble on about all of these things forever, uh, as I'm sure you're aware. But the blacksmithing meetup here, it's held at another blacksmithing school that started a few years after I attended school at another one. And this is at an old foundry place out in the fjords in the west side of Norway uh, called Odda, and it's close to Haugesund for the few people kind of care i don't think anyone does but anyway nobody knows norway anyway so you can say whatever you want yeah i know that's what i'm doing yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> uh but they have a classroom one big room i think they have 10 forges set up okay permanently three power hammers permanently set up and a shit ton of other tools and equipment and all of it cool so and to sort of give you an idea of what kind of people these are, when I showed up, people were taking the, uh, the oxyacetylene torch, uh, putting the biggest head they could on it, yeah. sticking that in the, po the postwise that a buddy of mine forged as his German piece yeah. just the other week, turned it on and started roasting hot dogs on it. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that fucker does to his brilliantly, beautifully made postvise is roast is barbecuing on it. Yeah, food. Using it as a barbecue stand makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I don't. I, where's the problem? <laughs> well, I was kind of expecting it to be blacksmith related or something. Well, it's kind anyway. of fuel for blacksmithing. Yeah, that, I guess that's a fair point. You, you should know that better than anyone else. Oh, oh no worries. I, I Yes. Uh, but I, my point being, uh, the shen that's where the shenanigans started. Mm -hmm. And then it got better and or worse, depending on how you think about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, a lot of heavy, a lot of, not heavy drinking, but a lot of drinking. Uh, some power hammers were operated in intoxicated states, which is not generally speaking recommended. Mm, no, but, but it also involved people having uh, one of the lads for shits and giggles for last year's meetup. He forged a two-man sledgehammer where the head weighs, I think, it's twenty kilos. Yeah, that should. And to make things you. extremely difficult for himself, he punched the holes for the handles so they meet up in one single hole on the other side. Nice. Which is. 
technically immensely difficult and it looks superb. Mm -hmm. Uh, but of course they had to do things with it. So they, they used that to forge like 10 inch nails and some leaves and things like that. And then one of the lads who recently bought himself a small 300 kilo anvil mm -hmm. with a hardy hole that is a 50 by 50 mil, mm -hmm. which is bigger than a lot of the hardy tools I have, not let alone the hardy hole itself that normally is at least half, if not a bit less. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they take a big chunk of steel and they start like, oh, let's forge a new ho a hot cut for this hardy. Mm -hmm. And they, they do the rough things on their hammer, but then they need to seat it in the anvil. And as you might expect, that big chunk of steel, there's a risk of it overheating the anvil. Mm -hmm. So they, they lube the hole up in every ridiculous, sensual way that you can. And they get whatever tang they managed to forge in there. And they get go to town at it with that tube two-man sledge and just beat it down and then the handle comes loose and then just one of them shouts like right everybody grab a sledge and then suddenly you have seven blacksmiths just standing in circles around yeah. uh, this hammer and just wailing at it in rhythm in tune and everything and it's what's fucking brilliant that was really nice to see yeah yeah very nice and nobody died so that's cool uh yeah not by the time i left anyway okay so you're yeah. safe <laughs> and and if i may brag a little bit uh, I we also had what we called a nail sprint, mm -hmm. nail forging sprint, nail forging competition. Okay. Uh, where you're supposed to make as many nails as possible in 15 minutes. Okay. How and many I did you came, manage? I come third. Oh, I, nice. I managed four. Cool. No. Why? Because the nail header we got was engineered in the most diabolical way possible. <laughs> oh yeah, that's okay. what you used towards Steve. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, How many leads said, did the first one forged? Eleven. What? Yeah, and and that's the kid who also did the fucking post vice. The kid is but, is two meter high, so he's yeah. he's not a kid anymore. <laughs> he's a fucking no, he is giant. because he's twenty three. <laughs> He's oh, younger than wow. me. That makes him a definitely kid. <laughs> so he, he's, all he's of 12. these people are kids. <laughs> That's the weird thing. Like there's this like there's two generations of blacksmith in Norway. There's people my age and younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's people who are like in their at least in their early forties and older. So now you you get a taste of what it's it's like to be called old or vintage man <laughs> <laughs> no no because no one there believes i'm as old as i am so that's fine <laughs> yeah surely you're 14 so that that's okay yes but, but 11 but, 11 is is kind of ridiculous. yeah no he is fucking good yeah. he is absolutely brilliant when it comes to it and also come to think of it i think the last time i forged nails was uh four nearly four years ago mm -hmm. like that's not really the excuse the excuse is the fucker who made the the, the nail headers he drilled a really small hole, five and a half mil. Yeah. And he left it round. Oh, no. Meaning we had to take eight mil square. Yeah. Forge it down. Yeah. To five, five, to five mil. Then round it off and then get it in the hole. Why round? Because if it, you don't forge it round before you get it into the hole, or at least like vaguely... No, no, sure. Hole, I, I, but why it, did he left it round? Because he's an evil bastard. Okay. Yeah, sure. I, I, I say that with absolute confidence. I met the guy. <laughs> he took absolute glee in seeing us suffer. Yeah, I bet. 
uh, but it, it did make the competition more interesting. Uh, sure. And it also made me feel kind of better because even though I only managed four, I didn't fail at any of them. I just took my time to get all of them through. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, yeah, we were supposed to aim for like 50 mil long. Okay. Uh, nobody did that. I had two that was 70 mil and two that was 90 mil long. But I still did better than all the other eight people that got there. Or yeah. the, the people who came after me. But the, I think number two, he made five or six. So okay, like, it was a big jump you. from number yeah, two yeah, to number yeah. three. Or to number one. But yeah. And by the way, the, the post vice that he made is absolutely fantastic. And just yeah. knowing that everything is forged. Damn. Even the threads, man. Yeah, Even the yeah, threads. Yeah. It's, that is uh, crazy. Yeah, it's he, crazy. A, a funny story about that, just because I find it absolutely hilarious, is that he finished the post vice with 10 minutes to spare before the deadline. Mm -hmm. And and then went um, the, the the examiners, whatever you call it. Jury? The master smiths who were sort of check, check going over his work and checking it. Okay. When they showed up, it was still so hot that they couldn't touch it. No, oh, damn. Because it's 60 kilo yeah, of yeah. steel that he has heated up to treat it and do all of the fancy things with. So it's like, no, it's still hot. You can look, but don't touch it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, wow, it, was, cool. it was great fun. Yeah. We'll put that pictures in, on the Instagram of the podcast for those who are interested to see it because beautiful piece needs to be, to be shared. Yeah, uh, I, I find that really amazing. Also, it makes me kind of wonder, like, what other stupid things shouldn't be possible to forge, but can actually be forged if you are mad or genius enough? Yeah. And if you have time and creativity, you can, I believe, forge pretty much anything. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, there's uh, an, an obvious one is to be able to forge an anvil, mm. like a decent sized one. Yeah. But then you're suddenly talking, oh, you need to manhandle 40, 50, 60 kilos of steel I've seen in all the awkward positions. I've seen people doing that, like factories in China that, that uh, forge big pieces for uh, boats, uh, yeah, yeah. Are, are managing big pieces of steel. They are, they are like working uh, in pair or, or by team of three, four, five people, but they, they manage to do that. So definitely doable yeah. if you have a no, big poana. It's absolutely possible. And they did used to do that. Mm -hmm. It's just, do we actually have anyone alive and or in Europe that still knows how to? I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I was, did, uh, yeah, yeah go, go ahead. No, I was, I was thinking about it because like, I've never seen um, an anvil being created. In my head, for some reason, it was just maybe because of the, the machines I work with. I always thought they would be milled out of a piece and not actually nope. forged. Uh, forged or cast. I mean, yeah, a, a cast casting makes sense. Yeah. Um, but from my understanding, those are the like cheaper ones out of. Like, uh, no, the... you can you can cast them out of high quality tools still. That will be good. Okay. But a lot of cheap animals out of China are cast iron or mm -hmm. basically really soft steel. Okay. And they are shit. So. Hmm. But that's that's a different question, though. I mean, I. There's a dozen different things I would love to forge uh, that may or may not be nearly impossible. Mm -hmm. Like what? But you, no, like an anvil or a full suit of armor. I mean, a full suit of armor is not impossible. No. But will I be able to make one I'm happy with in the time I have? 
and I'm able to learn all of that. I mean, moving just yes, all of the things around my insecurities about that. But moving on from that, also pole arms would be fucking amazing to traditionally make a few, just because they're so complex in the construction. But is it documented? Like, do you know if did you ever come across something you wanted to make and like something historical you've seen, but had absolutely no clue how they did it? Yeah, but I think I figured out a few of them. I mean, morning stars are also forged mm -hmm. to some extent, and I had a long time in uh, wondering about how they actually did like get all of the flanges to stand out and how you would forge something like that from a solid piece. And the answer is, you probably wouldn't. You would probably forge all of the spikes individually, mm -hmm. and then you would brace that onto a center rod. Okay. Uh, I think. I think I figured that out when I was uh, just before the pandemic visiting the Royal Armories in Leeds and I could see some of the bracing marks still visible in between the joints of it. Okay. I think that's where m that notion comes from. But uh, long story short, if you want to see how something is made, chuck it in acid and you'll see how the weld lines <laughs> appear. Yeah. I mean, you'll destroy it, but um, that, that's a thing. Well, sometimes it's necessary when you want to, to make something to just destroy it to learn the, uh, i mean that, that that's one of the things that i did to make a pattern for uh, a leather piece that I, I i made a few years ago i had i take a coat an old coat that i had that was like very similar uh, to what i was uh, aiming for just destroyed it and and used it as a pattern so to speak it was close enough to Enable me to make a pattern from it. Uh, you mean just undoing all the seams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's that, mm. that that'll do. Yeah, that, but obviously the coat was destroyed, but it was not very important to me because no, it no. was really old. Disassembled. Disassembled. Yeah, but I never took the time to <laughs> reassemble it. <laughs> Sp spontaneous dis uh, disassembly. I believe yeah. it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, that, oh, that's my that's what much today. Do. Yeah, but you yeah. have an excuse. You've driven so much. So that's okay. Yeah. Nothing so what's the topic, so... Jan? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, I actually had another question because this is why I was asking um, Raz why you were, well, like how things are made or the historical ones. Because um, I have some friends at the like medieval market in Esslingen. And yeah. um, there was one seller and she sells, I think it's, it's not Venetian, but it's out of the Italy area at some glass pearls. Yeah. And the way their manufacturing is lost, they don't know how to do them anymore. Like there's actually oh. glass blowers of today that said even like with modern machinery, they don't know how to do it because of the way the glass is made. Like I think it's some different like temperatures. It has to be welded together and they have no clue how they did it. Just like Damascus steel. Yeah, it's. I'm. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure because I'm not a glass blower. I just know that there's a couple of them at, like the Christmas market, taking a look at them, and some of them with like thirty plus years of experience with glass blowing, and they were like, "Yeah, we have no idea." And then the lady who sold them said, "Yeah, yeah, there's like some batches are turning up. They kind of like fish for them. There's some boats sunk oh. with it." And so once they find them, so they're, they're frequently like hellish expensive, but they found so huge yeah. quantities that they're kind of like finding their way on the market because all the museums, they're already in all the museums, but just yeah. the way they are made is somehow got lost. So 
do you know what's unique about them? Um, no, they're, they're just really nice patterns. And the way I think the patterns are interwoven. Um, I don't okay. even have a picture I can share of them. I'll, I'll have to take a look if I'm home. Because I think I have still one or two of those pearls laying around. Yeah. I, uh, I have no idea. I'm not, not a glass blower. Yep. But there is... There used to be a lot of techniques in blacksmithing that have been fading in and out of knowledge. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, rumor rumor has it that like there was recipes for stainless steel in a library of Alexandria when it burned down. That took us another... What was this? When did that burn down? I don't even recall if that's before or after Christ. But yeah, I, I mean, we didn't rediscover that until late 1800s at the earliest, I think. I don't know. I wasn't born yet. What? What? Yeah. That's, really? a, that's a first. <laughs> I was so expecting an old man joke, so I, <laughs> I said it before. <laughs> yeah, like Alexandria burned down, so that was when Red was in middle school. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, my, my point was, there's, there's often people who, uh, my, at least my theory when it comes to, to, to stainless steel, is that, yeah, they discovered at least a higher rust-resistant type of steel. But the process of making that was so expensive that nobody was practicing it on a regular basis. Meaning, at some point, it only did exist as a recipe in the library, but there was no one out there actually doing it. So even if someone had found the recipe, it would probably take years before someone could re-engineer it and figure out the process of doing it and actually... Do you think that's the way we're headed in like so many crafts that are kind of like quote unquote dying these days because nobody practice yeah. practice them anymore? Yeah, I mean, there was a time when, uh, at least as far as I know, nobody in Germany knew how to forge weld. And we're talking just before the, Ber the Berlin Wall fell. Okay. Uh, I, know, I know that because that's a personal story of uh, one of the best master smiths we have in Norway. He studied in Germany for, or was an exchange in Germany for a while and worked at a forge there. And they didn't know how to forge because when the quote-unquote modern construction steel was invented, it was more difficult to forge well than the old one. So no one managed to learn how to do it with the new stuff. Uh, and or it wasn't common enough, plus invention of arc welding meant that you weren't, it wasn't necessary to master that technique. So give it a couple of decades that when he went down there in mid-80s, maybe, the for no one at the forge knew how to do it. And we're talking about master smiths at that were in the 60s at the time. So he coming from Norman saying, no, no, it is possible. But he had to like scavenge all over Germany to find a supplier for flus, fl for, for just river sand that was usable <laughs> in glass blowing that would also work as a flux. So, I mean... Things like that, I know personally, has happened. But that goes for everything. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, in order to, to keep a craft alive, you have to have demand for it. Like, yeah. like all the all the these beautiful windows made out of colored glass that we have in churches or churches or old buildings around Europe. Um, now it's becoming something that it, it's, it's it's become a hobby that something that people can can learn in school and stuff. But how many professional do you have that you can hire in order to 
restore an old church. That not that many in France, at least. So if those people don't pass on the knowledge that they have, it's going to be very, very difficult to keep it keep it alive. I remember, <clears throat> sorry, I remember watching a documentary about a guy that is the last one in the whole country able to operate um, a machine that they use in order to make the decoration on the back of uh, watches. Um, oh, you know that there is okay. this round steel piece, uh, round piece yeah, of yeah. steel that close up all the mechanism and protect uh, the, the watch because it's in contact with your skin. Mm. And in order to make it look beautiful, they can make very intricate designs and roses and, and circles and make something beautiful. It's made with a machine and there's only one guy that can operate that machine because it's absolutely fucking insane to just program the thing in order to make yeah. it and it's all mechanical there is absolutely no computer involved and the guy is still like 25 or 30 but he's learned that for the past 10 or 15 years already but if that guy doesn't get an apprentice in the next 30 40 years this knowledge will be lost forever there, there's a whole um series here in Germany from um, SWR, which is like Südwest Rundfunk, um, one of the TV channels. Bless you. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so this is the guy in they, Norway that makes up town's, town's exactly. name all the time. <laughs> um, so they have a series called The Last of The Last of His Kind or The Last of Their Kind. Mm-hmm. And they just report, like they find jobs where the person is the last known person to do that kind of job. Like, uh, they even go to Austria, there's a guy that's making business cards, like the old, like, scribe way. Nice. Developing them, like, oh. doing small print volumes. And he yeah. also now has yeah. an apprentice that takes over, but that, that was not sure if there would be someone to follow in these steps. I mm. think they're also, like, the most expensive business cards you can get because, of course, all handmade. Yeah. Um, and he has that old folder from like generations back where they made for like kings, noblemen, and all of that made the business cards. Uh, but also you have the manufacturer of knives in a certain area that like the way they make the knives is just like really special. There's no one else that knows how to do the, um, I'm, I'm not sure what it was, but I think it's a, kind of a special grind they put on the knife blade or something like that. And he's also the last of them or like one of the old carpenters. There's actually now um, they're trying to recreate because of the, um, how do you call it? The old houses we have in Germany uh, mm-hmm. that need to be refurbished. They are running out of people that actually know how to restore those. So there's oh. a special initiative and they pay a shit ton of money for those people that know how to restore the old houses. I was talking to, uh, I guess, the person who is now the former leader of the Norwegian Blacksmithing Association, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, he he is that kind of person who is employed by the government at the restoration workshop at Niederostumen, the big cathedral up in Trondheim, mm-hmm. simply to be <laughs> simply to be a uh oh what's it call it a harvester of knowledge in blacksmithing mm-hmm. yeah so you mentioned that one guy. of yeah so one of his major jobs is not only to be uh, working on the cathedral or working on other churches and restore them 
in Norway mm-hmm. and like really old um critical I guess I should say mm-hmm. metalworking yeah. but also to just be someone who practice and learns and keeps all of the old techniques alive uh-huh. that's, so that's if great. if he comes up with a personal project who, where he says hey no one else has been doing this for x number of years the last guy who was proficient in this died a couple of decades ago yeah i want to spend three months delving into the techniques he used to make whatever mm-hmm. he can probably do that he needs to get it approved by the the, the boss man but uh, yeah, we we have in blacksmithing at least we have that. I would like to believe we have a couple more of those kind of things in Norway, and it's getting slightly better over years. But it's as with all traditional crafts, if nobody used them, they will die out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, dep- it depends. I think there is um, you can create a, a need for certain crafts if you are creative enough if you are willing to uh, perpetrate this craft enough yeah okay uh let, let but that to- what, just one example because okay. that, that that's what i have in mind um a few years ago i i, I was not sleeping, so I put the TV on and I found a <laughs> documentary. And, and we are all surprised. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the kind of documentary that you see at 3 a.m. because nobody will watch it uh, unless yeah. they have insomnia. Uh, and the documentary was about the last gold beater in Italy. And I, I just found it again. Beater? Like yeah. beating? Yeah, like beating. Like so they are punching? Yeah, not punching, but they, well, they they are using uh, mallets and oh. and bags of sands, um, and they are they are turning solid gold into gold leaves by oh. just by heating them. Okay. Oh. And okay. it's a it's a very, it's the last one um, in Italy, and it's called Manetti. Uh, it, it's um, it, it's basically a family that they are doing that and they were saying that if they stop the, the craft is gone in the whole country because they are the only one doing that uh, nowadays the thing is that gold leaves were used for sculpture and, and buildings and to make stuff look nice back in the days but now it's also used in cuisine, in uh, makeup and and jewelry and fashion and and everything. Huh. So by just yeah. um, creating, having the creativity to put what you are making in different worlds, they have yeah. created uh, a new need for their craft and their product, which is kind of very interesting to me because it's not something that you can do with everything. But just take leather, for example. A lot of people are doing leather craft now, a lot more than than like say fifty years ago, right? But there was there is also the concerns about uh, animals and um, ecology and pollution and everything. So a lot of people are now now creating new kinds of leather from plants or or whatever. Like I've seen cactus leather recently yeah mushroom as well mushroom as well or or, um oh wow i forgot i'm forgetting the third one that i've seen recently but you can create new stuff in order to maintain an industry and it's not only perpetuating perpetuating the craft 
but it's also renewing it by adding new techniques and new products into it. And, and, and I find things, that kind of things, very interesting. Yeah, that is interesting, but from a cultural history perspective, mm -hmm. you I feel like you kind of need people who are is doing the old traditional thing as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course, because like, let's say vegetable vegetable tan leather will always be around because that's that's one kind of leather yeah. that we use just for specific no, application. But, um, if if I may extrapolate a bit on it, sure. Uh, at least in blacksmithing, there's a hell of a lot of things that is kind of only easy to do if you're already really, really good at forging. Okay, yeah. You have that eye-hand coordination that makes a certain way of forging a certain technique easier and practical and feasible. Mm -hmm. If you don't spend a decade or three getting good at the craft... Yeah then that thing suddenly doesn't exist anymore because there's no one good enough to actually do it in a practical way. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, blacksmithing might be a bit extreme in that sense because it relies so much on eye-hand eye coordination and the timing of things within the heat you have. Although I guess you probably have similar things happening in glass blowing yeah. and other where, where time is crucial when you're manipulating things. Just Maybe, maybe even chocolate making. Yeah, I was about to say chocolate yeah. making yeah. as well. <laughs> if it gets cold, you're, you're fucked. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Or if it gets warm. So, or warm. The wrong yeah. when, when you're done. But yeah. when yeah. you are doing the thing, it has yeah. to be liquid in order to be poured into the mold and everything. Yeah, yeah, sure. I agree. Yeah. Or, so, yeah. go ahead. I, it's, it's, um, it's just one of the things where, at least in Norway, it's one of those things where the government is often saying we need to keep all of these things alive, but they're not really doing enough work to keep the thing alive. They just say like, yes, we need to keep all of the traditional crafts alive. And then maybe blacksmithing and wood carving get 80-90% of all the money, and there's not enough left to some of the smaller mm -hmm. crafts that already have nearly died out. Well, you're not like, working in a museum not that long ago and showing off what blacksmithing is to to visitors yeah i i i mean i was but was, i weren't uh, was it no, paid by, uh, by the government or was it a private no. museum okay so yeah exactly no no, no the museum is public but i just rented the workshop there the, the forge okay so nothing to do with the museum no, and I, the government I worked body. for a museum okay you were working a part of the rent i was getting the there museum. was that i would be uh -huh. uh, present at the, a couple of days they had to where I would be forging with kids. That was kind of part of the agreement I had with them. Okay. That was two days a year. Oh, I, I really thought that you were working for the museum and showing off techniques no. and stuff from time to no. time. Okay, my, my bad. Okay. The, um, what I think is funny is because we were talking about how many of the like arts are dying. And um, to a certain extent, I believe this is still true. But I also think we're reviving more of them yeah. And they are actually dying at oh, the moment. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's hugely accounting to the internet about their pool of knowledge. And not and not just not just the knowledge on it, but also the um people getting exposed to it. Mm -hmm. I would have never known about leatherworking if it's not been for like YouTube or the internet and like yeah. overall. There's some I think niche jobs 
that would have silently died off with people that are interested in him or that turned out to be interested in him never knew about it if they would have not seen it on mm -hmm. TV or the internet. I mean, the TV did a start, yeah. but I think it's mainly the internet these days. Yeah, I, I have. I get a lot of people coming taking my classes because they saw forging on TV. Yeah, yeah. In one way or another, it's like, oh, that's really cool, and then they they think, oh, maybe there's something on YouTube, and they Google it, and they fall down the rabbit hole, and hopefully end up in my forge at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a weird metaphor. When it's <laughs> yeah, <pretty true>. uh, <laughs> I was I was just waiting to see where you were going with it. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Okay, cool. <laughs> With anything ever. <laughs> but yeah. I think uh, I'm I'm gonna talk about Japan again. But yeah, I spent a quite a long time out there, so um, it's kind of legit in a way. I remember there seeing a lot of like small jobs and small crafts that would have disappeared from modern country and haven't in Japan because, and the only reason is that people still pay money for what those people make uh -huh. like they i remember a guy who was making rakes from bamboo and people oh. buy that in order to just rake the leaves in their garden or in front of their houses uh when fall comes uh -huh. there is absolutely no obligation for them to buy a handmade bamboo rake and pay it like I don't know a hundred bucks where they can buy one made out of plastic in China for five so the taste of having something handmade beautifully made keep alive a craft that is not only part of their culture but also tradition um, that's it, it it all rests on people's will to be part of it just like when Raz, you are selling a knife, handmade knife, to someone, and this person will give it to a child because he's, he's just out of the crib or whatever. Um, because it's a normal Norwegian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's part of the tradition and the, and the mentality of the country, and that's what makes uh, the craft uh, stay alive for a long time. We've lost that in France. People don't want to pay money for handmade stuff because, yeah, it's gonna broke, it's gonna okay, break. Question, question there. Have that attitude changed with the fire at Notre Dame? Nah, not really. Not 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 anymore. Like probably the first, the following year, it was like, oh, that's great. They are gonna rebuild everything. It's gonna be. They're gonna hire a lot of people that really know their shit, and it's gonna be beautiful again. Sure. But people don't see the work that they are doing right now to restore Notre Dame. They are not seeing the the <clears throat> the discipline, the knowledge, the skills, uh, and the passion that it requires to to be part of this rebuilding because it's a huge thing that they are doing right because now. If I, if I remember correctly, uh, France had set aside a whole oak forest. Yeah, that. They employed, I don't know how many people, to care for only so that you might have the timber if something were to happen. Yeah, yeah, I heard something like that, but I also know that we are cutting uh, trees here in France. We are sending it to 
England, to England. Yeah. At, at not to say but at Dundles. Uh, yep. <laughs> so so he can he can work his magic and and send it back to France because that's something we apparently can't do anymore like just taking care take, taking a tree and turning it into beautiful timber and wood to be able to make stuff with it that's something we've lost and I can't just believe that we I don't, don't have the skills no so I, oh, I think I, it's I, just about money uh, that's my, that's the thing uh, I don't think you have actually lost the knowledge. Yeah. Not 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 fully, not yet. But I think it's one of the things where if you outsource it, you can probably get the job done cheaper. Yeah, but it's just crazy to me to send a two two hundred years old. No, no. The French giant don't know orc. how the French don't know how to use a sawmill anymore. Well there was that <laughs> one guy. Oh what happened? Oh we drew him into acid to see how it works. Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we have the we have the compagnon du devoir here. Uh, I, I, I'm saying it in French because I have no idea how it's yes. said, said in English. Thank you. But glad you. Glad you told me it was French, or I would be very confused. That's no. the that's no, the we've guy. All, no, we've all been making up words. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, basically, when you are you are very young, at a very young age, you you choose a craft, you learn it for a few years uh, in your hometown, and then for the next decade or so, you travel the whole country to keep learning it oh, and when once yeah. you are you are done with it you have you have uh, reached a certain level of skills you are it's it's not, i mean you're it's not a journeyman it's a journeyman but it's, yeah it, it's, it's in no. the name it's it's no, no, actually it's, a journeyman like journey it, it's in the name yeah yeah it, uh, by the old but word journeyman that's can, absolutely can, can, can I, the etymological thing of a journeyman has nothing to do with being on a journey why why no, because it comes from something French, stupid, and then it was mistranslated into English. Oh, really? <laughs> French people I'm would do that? Certain. <laughs> I don't think yeah. so. <laughs> don't sound so innocent. <laughs> Let me just check. Uh, uh, journeyman comes from the English journey and the English man, and it's journeyman. Why is it called a journeyman? Journeyman is, was originally used in the medieval trade guilds. Journeymen were paid daily and the work journey. Oh, journey, like a, a day, day of work. Okay, is there yeah. a from journey yeah. meaning the whole day in French? Yeah, absolutely, you're right. It's from the French saying. Yes. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that, right? You can't. Like, yeah, no, I was, I was right. I'm French. I was right. Uh, end of story. Uh, <laughs> no, but you, you, you see my point. The guy is traveling and he's staying like for six months, a year, sometimes two yeah. years with a master. Someone who did the same thing like 20, 30 years ago has, has learned so much since and welcomes him in order to teach him the craft. And when he's done learning with that guy for one or two years, the guy said, "Yeah, I, there is nothing much I can I can teach you. Keep on, keep on your, keep keep on traveling. Go find another yeah. guy. He will teach you more and more and more. And after ten years, twenty years, they just stop. They they operate. They they work for the town they decided to settle in, and they welcome young guys and they 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 keep." this craft alive which is absolutely insane because without that kind of guys um we wouldn't have people able to work on notre dame we wouldn't have have people uh, able to rebuild churches uh, or old buildings or old libraries 
or restore books as they are doing. A lot of them are doing that um, in the construction business, like uh, stonemason or whatever. But there are yeah. also a lot of people that are, are uh, doing that for paintings. Like all these fucking stupid people who are throwing orange paint at masterpiece. If you don't have someone who is able to restore the, the, the painting without hurting it, it's gone forever. And, and it will be lost for all <coughs> humanity. So those people are very few and they are, they are the, the, we, that's what usually people say uh, or, or qualify as dying art or dying craft. But thankfully there is enough of them to just keep it alive and, and, and keep teaching it to, to the next generation. Mm -hmm. At the moment. At the moment, yeah. But that's not that GTP was going to uh, be used in order to restore an old painting. It's yeah. always going to be an old guy or an old lady telling you to do it properly and take your time. And it's going to take eight months in order to just restore 10 centimeters square on that specific painting. But that's also the beauty of it. You can't rush skills, talent. Mm -hmm. And, and creativity and, and just genius. So yeah. comes back to what you were saying, Raz, at the very beginning of the podcast. Will I have the, the, the skills to make a, a, a suit of armor that I like in the time that I've decided to allow me to do so? The first one is going to take yep. you probably weeks or months. Yeah. The second one way less and the third one even less. And so on and so on until and you can make it, make it, make one in a week, and be happy with it. Like, so j just to nerd out about armor for a second. Just considering how you are supposed to get in and out of a piece of armor and how you're supposed to fasten it to your body. Mm -hmm. If you look at suits of armor through the history, there's so many different patterns that people invented to try to make it easier and better and safer and smarter, yeah. and all of those <laughs> things. Some of them were better than others, undoubtedly. Mm -hmm. But it's also like, without someone to teach me mm -hmm. which one is actually best in this application, I will make a hell of a lot of complicated mistakes. Just just go to medieval fairs and look people suiting up. Yeah, but it's not, not that easy. No, 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 no. I'm not even, I mean, yeah, I could do that. But at least in my mind, that would rely too much on the modern interpretation of historical armor depends if yeah, yeah, yeah probably not medieval affairs but you can you, plus you have a lot of scholars that are very into that kind of stuff you can just go and talk to them and ask them yeah yeah I, not in Norway we we have been because of the union with Denmark us being a part of the Danish kingdom for 400 years or something stupid mm -hmm. uh Norway didn't do much arms and armor production in Norway. Come to France. We have plenty. Yeah, I know. But that, that's the annoying thing. I would love to <laughs> Oh, have... you don't want to come to France? Uh, yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> you don't even want to be in France. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's like looking down to Germany and France and like the, the Central Europe, where you did a hell of a lot more warring about than we ever did here in Scandinavia. Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't have the same kind of amount of history yeah. when it comes to specifically suits of armor. Yeah, we produced a hell of a lot of helmets, 
mm-hmm. because you kind of need at least something to cover your head that's a bit thick yeah unless you are but then you had chainmail so we had a fair bit of production in that and then there was leather armor and paddings and things like that so we, we did things yeah absolutely and we did have people who made suits of armor but we didn't have that large industrial scale that you could see in Central Europe during the Middle Ages up until, I don't know, 1600 or something. Mm. Yeah. You don't have to Maybe go back. even later. Yeah, you, you don't even have to go back hundreds of years. I, yeah. just as a short example of like modern technology that can die or modern-ish, yeah. I have an enlarger at home for pictures. What? Okay. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, We're scared for a second. Oh, I wanted. No, I, I wanted. <laughs> oh, I wanted that uncomfortable break to be there, like that, that short pause. Um, well done, you. <laughs> yeah. I. Um, so the the picture enlarger is for you put your negatives in and you project them onto the paper and mm-hmm. then develop the paper for it. Yeah. The technology yeah. Yeah. is still around. There are people doing it. Mm-hmm. I w- I was not able to find someone who can do that within Esslingen or in the Stuttgart area. Just yeah. by looking at like Google online, trying to find different addresses. There's a photo club in Esslingen. And the only thing I could find on their homepage is that they took pride in it, that they stopped doing analog photography years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, so that's out of the window. I mean, I could still contact them and ask them if one of them still knows how to do it. But just, yeah. Yeah. I think you 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 would probably have more chance when you if you just uh, put up uh, something on the internet like hey is there someone doing that in my area you could probably find someone because I have one at home that I got from my dad because he was doing photography when he was younger mm-hmm. and so I did when I was in high school so we st- still have a, a picture and larger at home as well but I don't think the professional are, are need one now so they why bother no, using that technology scanned. because it's, yeah because they have big machines in order to develop uh, you put the film in it and it well, you, spit you, out you, everything you digitalize it you you scan the film and yeah. then you print it on a like modern printer but yeah. it's still not the same like the quality is different no, I, I, I agree do it. i agree yeah, yeah and uh it's it's really difficult and I'm sure, like, um, Malty, for example, knows how to do it. I bet yeah. he, he <laughs> dabbled with it. And there's a, no a few other people. So I might have to just look for an actual meetup of those people. Yeah, yeah. Or just bite the bullet and use YouTube videos and teach myself. But this is one of the things I would have loved to just, like, set it up at home, invite somebody over for, like, a cup of coffee or a beer, Go mm. in and just experiment with it and learn it from somebody that actually knows what it's doing and not that yeah. dangerously. Like, I don't know, everything with photo on YouTube, for example, right now is basically the Wild West yeah. because so many uh, films are being um, discontinued and yeah. so many people are shooting with uh, the like film that is long past their best date, basically. So all the results are inconsistent. And even with the others, like people are basically just playing around with it and using it. And the people that know what they're doing, most mm-hmm. of them don't probably explain how they're doing it. Yeah, there is, so. there is also that, and we didn't mention it so far during this episode, but there, there is some kind of protectionism um, about the skills that one can have and, and is not willing to share. And that's also a way to, to 
kill yes. a craft sometimes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And and one part of it is unwilling to hear, but also unable to. Like, what do you mean? There, there, now, there's um, there's a big difference between being good at a craft and good at teaching a craft. Okay, in that sense, and yeah, being yeah, able for to sure. communicate yeah. it and teach it to someone. But it's also, especially when it comes to like something that like analog photography and pic- image enlarging and all of that. Mm. I mean, that it its heyday was well before the internet. Mm-hmm. Mm. A lot of the people who were expert in that might never have gotten properly on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they might, or they might be super proficient on the internet. They might just have such a <coughs> massive imp- uh, case of imposter syndrome that they don't care to try to put it out there because they don't think it's interesting to anyone else. Yeah, or nobody never asked them to share yeah. what they know. Yeah. Yeah. True. But that's a shame. I I remember when I have let, let concrete example. Andy Berkey is amazing, talented, and and he does some crazy stuff. When I yeah, you always need to keep a, it a matter crazy in a sentence about Andy Burke. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and one of the first time I, I I discovered him, and then we we started talking and and chatting and and becoming friends. I seriously asked him if he was taking apprentice, and he told me that it, that's something he he won't do anymore. So I'm uh, I understand the why's he's not doing it anymore, but I. It's, it, to me, it's very sad because he's sharing a lot of stuff on on the internet by making videos, and that's one way to keep his craft and knowledge alive. But not sharing it like to someone alive by just having an apprentice and and passing on all the knowledge that you have on a daily basis by doing and and making stuff. Um, it, it I, I I don't want to say it's a shame because I really understand the the, the reasons. Uh, it's just a little bit sad to me that that one day, in a long time, I hope when when he's gone, all the knowledge will be gone with him, or maybe not all, but part of it will will be gone forever. Mm-hmm. I, I think we have enough recordings of Berkey that we can synthesize him if we need to. <laughs> oh, hopefully we have, but we 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 never have too much of him recorded. No, two of him would be too much, but yeah, okay. I see. I see what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that's. Uh, should, should, should we focus on something else? Absolutely. Sounds. You good. Start. start. You start for one. Yes. Yes, because I'm afraid Red might steal it. Because uh, I sent Red earlier this week uh, a couple of videos by Johnny Harris, mm-hmm. that is another video journalist that I've been really delving into uh, over the last month or so. Yeah. Something like it. Uh, video journalist and he has a massive weak spot for maps yeah which i find really fascinating not like yeah it, like one of the his the, one of the videos that really put me onto him was when he still worked at vox media and he did a video about why all maps are wrong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for example why does greenland look like it's the same size at the africa mm-hmm when it's a tenth of the size or something mm-hmm. and why does it look like uh equator is so far up north mm-hmm. and silly things like that which is all racism which i don't think surprises anyone so like that's where it put me onto him but also he does really fascinating deep dives into 
how does North Korea just work? Why? <laughs> what, it's not. It's not working. Uh, uh, some people would argue. Uh, well, detectorship uh, is working, but the country is not. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, like the propaganda machine they have. He talks about uh, nuclear power in a couple of episodes. He even talks about bread. And uh, Red, you'll be happy to know that he puts France out as the best example of why what is good about bread. Yeah. And then, of course, he goes over and points to America and says, everything we do about bread is wrong. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And things like that. Uh, He does a lot of various different things. One of the really fascinating and eye-opening one for me was when he went to Cyprus Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago and started talking about the Turkish Republic of Cyprus. Okay. Yes, and your face is what was mine as well. Yeah. I never fucking heard about it. Yeah. And neither. very briefly, it's a country that only Turkey says exists, and after they occupied half of Cyprus in the sixties and seventies. Okay. Yeah. They. There was a revolution in Cyprus, and Turkey just decided that half of you is now mine. Well, damn. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, and never heard about it before. And he talks to people who was Greek Cyprus people who was pushed out of their homes in the north, and Turkish Cyprus people who was pushed out of their homes in the south, and how they had to move into the different halves of the country, and all the other fucked up shit that has happened, and is still happening. Because Cyprus does, Turkish Cyprus does have something that looks like an industry and a population and economy. They can't do shit without sending it through Turkey first. Because Cyprus, Turk, Turkish Cyprus doesn't exist to any other country. That's, that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, he talks about how Cyprus now is infested with war donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Put the link because so, that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Harris on the YouTubes and on Nebula if you are in that wagon and don't like the commercials. Nice. Nebula? Nebula TV, where Jet Like the Game is. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And a lot of other, like, these nerdy, science y Which deep I delving know, watch things. the first two episodes and it's uh, really entertaining. Like the one from the Capture Flag in Tokyo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's good. Cool. There's a there's a new episode coming out tomorrow. Jan, I might one? I might be watching that on on the, the ferry. Cool, nice. <laughs> um, my focus on I barely had any time to watch anything over the last week, but I managed to squeeze in the newest episode of Superfast Matt, uh, where mm-hmm. he goes about uh, Pikes Peak, the race in 2023. Mm-hmm. And his just style of documentary and he's a huge car nerd was really fun. Um, I know I focused on him before, but I really like this is one of the YouTubers I wait for every single video to drop. Like whenever I see there's a new video of him, it's like one of immediately click. I have to watch that because they're usually pretty short, really entertaining. Love is dry humor. Yeah. Yada, yada. That's my focus. Cool. Do you mean the video that dropped four hours ago? Yep. Red? Nice. How about you? <clears throat> um, yeah, talking about about uh, dying arts or end of. I was hoping you were going to say donkeys now. <laughs> no. Uh, uh. Well, 
might be <laughs> might be to some people. No, um, joke aside, I've seen that um, Sir Elton John uh, gave his last concert in the UK, uh, or at least what should be his last, uh, because he, he said he's, he's ending his career uh, after his world tour. Uh, I mean, he is getting old, isn't he's he? He's seventy six, I believe. So yeah, he's not he's not um, he's not young anymore. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, I I don't really know why. I've never been a big fan of Elton John, but a few of his songs have um, resonated in my life at some times um, and created memories. So I I was really sad to to learn or to hear that he was ending his career but uh yeah he's being 76 and still going on a world tour is kind of amazing yeah now so, you wait another five years and he's doing his huge revival <laughs> tour <laughs> i hope so somehow um so yeah what one of my my um focus this week is sir Elton john the second quickly is the movie rocket man because uh, that's something i've, I've uh, watched yeah. Um, not too long ago, so it was probably last year. I, I waited a little bit before watching it, and I've learned about the the man and and understood better uh, who he is and why he is who he is. So it is an absolutely brilliant movie to watch, and the actor um, playing him uh, is is also fantastic. So yeah, if you haven't seen uh, Rocket Man. Uh, please do if you have never l- listened to any Sir Dungeon album. Please do because some songs are absolutely fantastic. And quickly, my third one, the last one. Um, oh come on! Yeah, I take three this week. Uh, it's a game on Steam. It's called uh, Viewfinder. It's a de- the demo is. Uh, sorry, sorry, I think you pronounced Elden Ring wrong. <laughs> yeah, oh, that too. Oh. <laughs> but viewfinder is a is a game about uh, perspective it's very fun i did it enjoyed it the kid did it he enjoyed it uh it's very quiet very calm very very nice uh no one to kill you just have to go from one place to another it's all about perspective and view and and it's 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 very nice very nice game for now you can play the demo for free and it will be out uh soonish so yeah give it a try it was fun i forgot to mention actually the most interesting thing about john harris he did a super interesting series on greenland just how crazy people live up there and sort of kind of going back to our conversation this episode about the craft and the knowledge of things mm-hmm. the, the, the fucking people up there and how they live on ice and talk about ice and understand how ice moves and behaves that's not something you pick up in an afternoon that's decades oh, and you... decades of personal experience and built upon centuries of cultural experience well let's put it that way the one that didn't know how ice works are not there anymore yeah yeah pretty much i mean not only like the the, the walking safe kind but also how does an ice ice hole look when a seal has just gone through and is there a chance of the seal still being around and things like that you, yeah. you just say ice old or ice ice hole ice hole okay I was yeah. just checking yeah, I, yes. I heard something else and I'm sure Sorry. Steve did as well 
<laughs> Moving on. Any last hit of the bits? <laughs> no, I'm good. Yeah, if you want to know how something works, you throw in an acid. I think that's the conclusion <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> But don't do it to people. No. Uh, without permission. Yeah. With permission, I think it's fine. Nah. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Anyway, if you want to complain to us about anything. No, wait, hold on. We have the episode 100 coming up soon. Sure. Yeah. Sure, we did. We have. We Somebody do. forgot to Some post yes. on Patreon about it. <coughs> oh. Yes. So now Jan is going to post about it on Patreon so that it will be online and two people before the episode drops so that we are not liars anymore. Yeah. Uh, did we actually talk about what we wanted to do for episode 100? I'm not sure. Now we were kind uh, of in the, the stage of figuring that out. Yeah, well, I think we agreed on something and then you were supposed to write the post. So We'll you tell you everything next week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us collectively and join into secret Patreon fun, you can do that on patreon.com slash two-thirds focused if you're able to spell it out or just two-thirds focused and uh, other social places. And you can find me at Rasmus Lewin and lewinsmeer.no. And you can find me in my garage. That, that works too. You can yeah. find me at Jazz Camp this weekend. Um, and on Nerd Inventor on the internet or Jan Maxwell. And on the Red Smith everywhere. In my garage. <laughs> Fuck off and goodbye. <laughs> Have a good week. <laughs>